Shower Friday on Friday. We got uh, Bible study on Wednesday. Tuesday Bible study hasn't revamped yet, so to be determined on that. Um, what else? Alex has a uh, lack of a better term speech. It's a seminar basically for the Defend Conference, the Big Apologetics Conference at uh, NOBTS this week. It's at the NAM Center. On Tuesday, do you know what time that is, Alex? 3.15. 3.15. So if anybody's wanting to go hear him talk about Tolkien, and is it going to be about Tolkien again? Of course it is. Mike is also presenting. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, oh, Lottie Moon. This is the last week for Lottie Moon offering, so um, the big push for international missions for... Uh, the IMB, the Lottie Moon, and um, is that that's IMB, right? Yeah. Gosh. And you can do that online. So I did it online this year. <laughs> it was really easy. Yeah. You can still say it to through through the Zoo, but. Okay. Yeah. Just IMB.com. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really IMB.com or IMB.org. I would do. Or that. just Lottie Moon. <laughs> yeah, or just Lottie Moon. You can do Lottie Moon, and that'll pop up because yeah, it'll go to all things badges. Um. Anything else this morning? Uh, oh, um, I, I know we pray for Rose weekly, but yeah. particularly today, uh, just remember Rose. She, um, yeah, will struggle. Yeah, um, always, always remember Rose. Yeah. Also, I um, I read through the Bible this past year um, with this read five day reading plan. It was remarkable. I mean, I've never, I always read through the Bible, not always in a year, but. This is a five-day plan. If anybody would like it, if anybody feels that need, I'm just going to put them out by the door. Um, but it it was remarkable, just the intimacy um, of God's holiness and His His sovereign power, and yet just the merciful compassion and His holiness. I have never been more marked by the holiness of God as I was this year reading through this. So. Anyway, I'm gonna, I made some copies. I'll just put it out there. If anybody wants to grab cool. Thanks, Robin. Uh, let's go to the Lord. Father, um, just thank you for what today means. Uh, thank you for what this season means um, as we've gone through Advent and as this is literally the last day of this year. Um, Father, I just, I just pray that for those of us who are believers, and just for our community and our church here, and our, um, our our brothers and sisters that are believers in this city, um, we would celebrate this past year, um, and we would grieve where we need to. But Father, I pray that we would reflect on you um, from this past year with uh, with your joy in our hearts, and to see the ways that you've provided for us um, personally and as a community. Um, Lord, just thank you that um, tomorrow's a new year. Um, Lord, for everyone in our community that's not feeling well or that the holidays
be with us as we meet together today. Um, God, thank you for being here. Um, Holy Spirit, thank you for filling this place with your presence. And um, just prepare our hearts and minds for, for you. Um, it's, it's not an issue of you showing up. It's an issue of us showing up. So, Lord, prepare us. Um, open our hearts um, to this. Um, and as always, we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Whoever has our first reading, you can pop it up, Lewis. Isaiah. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. I'll be reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, <coughs> verse 10, also 62, verse 3. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garment, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So as the earth bring forth her shoots, and as the garden calls it with her stones, and she makes it spring up. So the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the land, in the hand of the Lord.
dresses us in the garments of salvation, who by the grace of Christ covers us with the robe of righteousness, adopts us into the holy family, and promises to make us a crown of beauty, a royal diadem in the hand of God. This we believe through Christ Jesus. May the Holy Spirit strengthen our belief. One. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the, to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of his people. And the Holy Spirit had rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary a little while. Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and my mother were amazed at what was being said about Simone blessed him and said to his mother, Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will oppose, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child of all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own the child grew, became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. God of glory, Lord, you have given us a new name and robed us in salvation. May we, like Anna, find our home in your presence, and like Simeon, recognize Jesus as the Christ, so that in joy and thanksgiving, that we come to your children, we may join all creations in your praises. Few weeks, 
Um, and so as we uh, as we sing and, and worship in that way together, um, I just hope that you guys can also find your joy in Christ. Um, so sing with us as we um, worship if you're able.
same week, and I showed up this morning with a lot of fear and trembling, and then I walked into Phil and Pam already having printed out readings and passing them out, and uh, Rachel practicing with Robin uh, the songs and hymns this morning, and so that was that was a gift to me. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Please go with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, uh, which is early on in the Old Testament. We're going to be in chapter 31 this morning. If you don't have a Bible this morning, if you want to use one of our Bibles, you can just raise your hand and someone will probably bring one to you. It's a good chance. Um, and if you would like, you're welcome to, to keep those Bibles. In our church calendar, today is still within the season of Christmas tide. Uh, of course, in our everyday calendars, today is New Year's Eve. I'm sure many of you have plans to celebrate tonight. Uh, in our house tonight, we'll probably uh, light the Advent wreath and eat in candlelight and then just 
go outside <laughs> to join in whatever craziness is happening in the neighborhood. Uh, part of what I love about living in this city is that you usually don't have to try very hard or go very far to find some sort of celebration that you can take part in. Um, there will be no midnight toasting at our house, though. Uh, my wife, whom I love and who knows me very well, uh, got me cocktail napkins for Christmas this year, which read, Welcome to my home. I'm so glad you're here. Please leave by 9 p.m. <laughs> uh, so if your idea of ringing in the new year involves a modest dinner and reading books to children and staying up for like 30 minutes to an hour past that before going to bed yourself, you're welcome to join us this evening. <laughs> Uh, the month of January in our culture is named, actually, after the Roman god Janus, who had two faces, uh, one looking back and one looking forward. Culturally, it's meant to be a day of reflection on the year, as, as well as looking into the new year, which is part of why I love the church calendar. Today, as with most days, the church calendar speaks a, a different word, one which I, I think is helpful. Reflection I always encourage. I'll never discourage reflection. We need more of it in our culture. So often we pair one celebration after the next, one bottle after the next, one workday after the next, like chain-smoking cigarettes. We never stop to think about our histories, and it leaves us a little bit breathless. So reflection in this time of year is good and worthwhile. Celebration, too. Uh, Christmastide reminds us, though, to celebrate, to keep our eyes on not what we've done this year or what we might accomplish next year or what other people have done to us, but to keep our eyes on what the Lord has done to us in and through our lives this year, the ways he's led us. And if we make plans for the new year, Christmas Tide urges us toward not resolutions about what we will do in our own power, but we hope and pray for what God is able to do in this next year, not hoping in the new year necessarily and what it will bring, but hoping instead in the new world that we know our God is bringing already and not yet into our midst. So, because it's still Christmas, I want to talk about gifts. In fact, I want to talk about gifts for the next several weeks. Uh, the ones we give each other and the good gifts that God gives to each of us. Uh, this sermon is the first in a series I'm simply calling Gifted. Uh, AJ's favorite gift this year at Christmas was a Lego Jeep. So you got to actually build the car, but then it had a remote, like an RC car, that you could then drive it around. Um, I don't know who thought of that, but that is genius. That is eight-year-old gold. <laughs> um, I gave my wife the complete series of Parks and Recreation on DVD, partially because I'm tired of chasing it around the internet uh, through all the different streaming services, and partially because I know that it is her heart's sincere desire to watch that show on repeat for the rest of her life, precisely because she's already seen it 100 times. If you have never lived with someone with severe ADD, you may not understand that, but trust me, it was the right gift. <laughs> Gifts are one of the major ways we can show each other we love each other. I doubt there's a couple in this room that doesn't give gifts to each other regularly. Gifting is just something love does. You can talk all day long about Hallmark holidays and capitalistic appropriation, and we should. Most of the best gifts aren't things. Most of the best things in life aren't things, and it's good to remember that. We should also, though, never stop giving to each other. It's part of what love does, and that's really where I'm driving 
with this sermon series. This is a series on what would typically be called spiritual gifts, but more so it's a series on how to love each other. In our ministry residency throughout the year, we've been studying the book of 1 Peter in depth, which is really where this sermon series started. Well, it was one part Peter, it was one part Adam Schiff, I'm sad he's not here today, and it was one part a bowl of soup that inspired this sermon series. Peter, in his letter, writes, Above all else, keep loving one another earnestly. And then he starts detailing what he means when he says we ought to love each other. He begins with the gospel. He talks about how Christ's love has covered the multitude of our sins and atoned for us by his death and our sake. Peter implies because of the love of Christ, because of his forgiveness, we are able to forgive each other. Each other's sins, each other's doubts, even when the sins between us are a multitude, a gulf. Then immediately, he starts talking about what we would call spiritual gifts. If you've been in church for a while, you'll probably have two pretty separate categories in your mind. One, gifts like Lego RC cars, and the other category labeled spiritual gifts with a wall built between the two. One of my goals in this sermon series is to begin to take down that wall for a couple of important reasons. The main one being that I don't think the biblical authors had those categories as separated as we do. Also because in separating RC cars from things like speaking in tongues, we've lost something of what the Holy Spirit wants us to understand about spiritual gifts. Namely, we've lost an understanding that this is what love does, giving these gifts to each other. Lego RC cars and speaking in tongues alike. Giving each other gifts is a big part of what it means to love each other. I said the inspiration for the series was one part Peter and one part Adam in a bowl of soup. Um, if you don't know Adam, he's one of our ministers here. He has a way of taking profound truths and stating them very simply. A few weeks back, Meg, his wife, our liturgist, was, was sick, and uh, I brought them soup for dinner. I was on my way somewhere else, and so I was only able to stay for just a, a very brief time, just kind of hand off the bowl of soup and run, and when I did that, I told them I loved them in one of these profound moments that just comes so naturally to him. He held up the bowl of soup, and he said, this is love. And he's right. In our society, we've forgotten a lot of what it means to love each other. We've almost forgotten friendship entirely, especially among men. And as a result, so many of us have become crushingly lonely. Our ideas of love, too, have become entangled with sexual intimacy so thoroughly that people have a hard time telling those two things apart. The Christian ideas, then, of celibacy and singleness as gifts sound absurd in our culture, like a denial of everything that makes life worthwhile. The age we live in generally is an age of divorce and division in families, churches, denominations, and the national scene alike to the point where people are acting like, if we don't agree with each other, then we have no means of loving each other. As though love is some fragile thing that can be broken by disagreement, or that has to be defended, or it will be lost at all costs. I don't think love is fragile at all. In fact, I think love is strong enough to overthrow empires and cities in its time. Strong enough to overthrow death itself. Love is able to sanctify us, keep us unstained from the world, able to heal people who have been through the worst things in this life and in the next. Love is able to 
restore people who have had everything taken from them. In a world filled with things worth dying for, love is worth living for. But again, we've largely forgotten what it means. God is love, John famously writes. And love is a gift. It starts with God pouring out love to us. His love, which covers a multitude of sins, and then we are able to take it up and give it to each other. Sometimes one bowl of soup in one minute at a time. In this series, we're starting in Exodus because I want us to begin by grasping the ultimate purpose of God's gifts that he gives to each one of us, and then we're going to go from there. So uh, read with me, if you will, Exodus chapter 31, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Ahaliah, the son of Ahishamech, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all uh, I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place, according to all that I've commanded you, they shall do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me briefly. Father God, I pray this morning as I always do. Lord, just that no matter what I say, God, what you administer to people's hearts and minds is your truth and your word. God, because your truth will set us free, and we desperately long to be free. We pray this in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Amen. I wanted to read this, this passage on giftedness for a number of reasons. One is, as I've already said, because it, it does a great job of pointing to the ultimate purpose of the gifts God gives to each of us. But there's, there's several other things to learn in this passage, too. First, I, I want you to see the Holy Spirit living and working through the people of God in the Old Testament. I, I want this passage to inform your theology of the Spirit, if you have one. It's, it's popular to talk about the Old Testament as a time where God the Father worked primarily, then it comes to the age of Christ working on the earth, and then to the age of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's not a teaching that I would encourage or support. Though, meaning, it's not a biblical teaching. Some people also make a distinction between the age of the Holy Spirit under the Apostles, and then after that comes the age of the church, where the work of the Spirit has ceased in the world. And again, I, I don't support that. I don't teach that. If you look at verse 3 again, it says, I have filled him, Bezalel, the, the craftsman, with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. The Holy Spirit has always been living and active in our world, and continues to live and move today in powerful ways. And God the Spirit does not change in the ways that we change. His work then 
in Exodus was pointed towards the same ends as it is in the New Testament era, just as it is today. The Holy Spirit has always, is always, and will always fill and empower the people of God to glorify God and to love each other. In the passage we read, the Spirit fills these craftsmen with these wonderful abilities to fashion all of the tents and implements used in the tabernacle to bring the people of God together to worship and glorify God in that time and in that place. Ultimately, what they were doing in constructing the tabernacle, they were creating a means by which God was able to come and dwell with his people. In Exodus 25, where this section about constructing the tabernacle begins, the Lord tells Moses his intent in all of this, his purpose. He says, let them make me a sanctuary. Why? He says, that I may dwell in their midst. Again, in chapter 29, he says, I will dwell among my people and be their God. Now, listen, because this is important and has everything to do with Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us, our conversations about spiritual gifts are usually so wrapped up and focused on what we are able to do in the Spirit that we never stop and think about what the Spirit is doing in us. God wants to dwell with us. The first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is in the creation story, in, in the first chapter. The Spirit of God is hovering over the water, it says, as God is creating the heavens, the waters, and the earth, and filling each with life. The, at the end, so I want you to notice, in, in each place as he creates, he then goes back and fills everything with life in the Spirit. The word is ruach, meaning his breath, or it also means spirit. And Adam and Eve, when they are created, it says God creates them, fashions them, and then just as he does with each part of creation, it says he breathes into it and breathes life into them as well. And it says, Adam and Eve dwell in the garden with God the Father, filled with his spirit, which fills them with life, just as surely as God fills the lands and the seas with his incredible, abounding life. Then here in Exodus, after the sin, after fall, which separate us from God, we see the Holy Spirit still filling these craftsmen, all for the same exact purpose, to restore the relationship between us and our God, he still wants to walk with us. He still wants to fill us with abounding life. He still wants to dwell with us. Through the ages of the people of God, this has been his long work in the same direction. That word dwell is a very important one. Once you learn to see it, you'll see it all through the scriptures as you read. It doesn't just mean to live together. We would probably say something like it means doing life together. In, in Christianity, we believe in God's omnipresence, but this is, this is something else. This is something mysterious, except we experience it, and so we know it. Anyone who's ever had a roommate relationship or a marriage go awry will know the difference between merely living with someone and dwelling with them, really doing life together with them. God wants to, to dwell with us. And the Spirit is doing that work in us, sanctifying us, empowering us to have God come dwell with us and to bring, bring us to love, to dwell with each other in the glory of his name. One of the more helpful things I learned in my time 
in seminary was something called the, the doctrine of the economic work. Economic, in this case, having its original sense of the word, not, not having to do with money, but having to do with multiple persons working together towards the same ends. Uh, the main use of the word in today's world is, is the home economics courses that you can take in, in high school or, or college sometimes. Um, Annie and I usually use the phrase Team Bryant. Learned that from a, a family up in Memphis that she spent a lot of time with. She may be taking AJ to gymnastics, she may be um, watching the baby while I cook dinner, but together we're doing the same thing. It's towards the same purposes, the same ends. Team Brian, we are all walking towards sitting down at the end of the day and sharing a meal together as a family. We're a team, and when you're a team, you often have different roles, but the purpose is singular. The Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the same way. The persons of our God have different roles, but their purposes are singular. In this passage, what I want you to see is the Holy Spirit's role in what God the Son, Jesus Christ, accomplished in full in his incarnation at that first advent that we celebrate during Christmas. And it is in his atoning death with, which forms the foundation of our forgiveness and love of each other. The Spirit and the Father are also playing a role in God dwelling with us. The Spirit sanctifies us and empowers us to be a people among whom God is able to dwell in peace. This is a work the Spirit's doing in us today, too. Not all of us are craftsmen. I wish I were. Not all of us will speak in tongues. Not all of us will heal. Not all of us are able to teach. But we all have a role to play in God dwelling with us. In the church today, we don't have a tent of meeting. We may use the word sanctuary, but theologically and truth, there's nothing special about the buildings in which we meet. God dwells in and among his people, his church. We are the stones built up into his temple. We, all of us, are the priests who bring any and every person who will come into the presence of God, in, into his presence, uh, for the, his glory, for his name's sake. My, my hope in this series is that each of us who are a part of this congregation, this, this local church, which is in its glorious way a part of the whole Big C Church in the world, will consider our own gifts and abilities, be they RC cars or bowls of soup or speaking in tongues, not so that we can be proud of what we have or can do, but so that we will participate in what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst and in our community. I want us to learn better, in other words, what it means to love each other and what it means to love a God whose desire is to dwell richly with us in our midst. And in doing so, filling us with his abounding life. My brother is a lawyer, and from time to time he will do legal things for me, some of which I will talk about in public and others I will not. Um, I always joke with him, you know, whenever he notarizes something, he writes a strongly worded letter for me, I always joke, I thank him for his legal services, and I tell him, whenever you are in need of spiritual services, I'm here. Um, the joke is, spiritual services are often <clears throat> not ones we realize we need. We often fail to ask for the things we need and want most desperately because we don't know who to ask or what to ask for. Love is something we need. Spiritual gifts are something we need. And we need it from our God and from our community as much as we need 
love and romantic relationships. We all know this, but often we don't know who to ask or what to do when we try to give love. In Peter and James and Paul's writing, all of their passages about love, loving each other, lofty passages like, like 1 Corinthians 13 that we read at weddings, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy or boast. Each and every time loving each other is seriously discussed, it's in the context of spiritual gifts. We need to know how we're gifted. We need to learn how to give good gifts to the people around us, just as God gives us good gifts. And ultimately, we need to find our place in the story of God's love come down at Christmas. Emmanuel, God dwelling with us. If we find these things, even in the midst of a world of loss, we will have what we need to fill our lives abundantly and to dwell with one another in harmony. How wonderful and pleasant that would be. Church, my invitation to you this morning is into the full life lived in the community of the church, into love poured out from Christ first and foremost, covering the multitude of our sins, but also from each other in forgiveness. Community which sanctifies and in which God is able to richly dwell with us. Come, pray with me. Father God, within this Christmas season, God, here on New Year's Eve, Lord, we pray that this next year would be one filled with your glory. God, I'm filled with your love. I pray that you would teach us evermore as a church community, God, as, as we go back into the various places that you're bringing us, God, that you, we would be able to take with us your giftedness, God, your love for each other. God, as we show each other hospitality, as we teach and preach in, in all the ways that you've gifted us, God, to love each other. And I pray that we would do it with the strength that you supply. God, into your glory. Lord, I pray for this next year, God, that it would be one in which we would abundantly see your work and movement in our midst, God, and that we would learn ever more not to be prideful or puffed up, God, but we would learn to praise you for what you're doing in and through our lives, God, and through our families and in this congregation. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. As uh, Robin and Rachel come back up, I would tell you it's a, a conviction of mine that every time the word of God is preached that we ought to respond. All of us, not just those in crisis or um, who are in need of, of immediate whole change, but, but every one of us needs the Lord to move and work in our lives. And so I'd encourage you to stand and sing or come pray with me. I'll stand in the back um, or pray with your neighbor, but in some way respond. Thank you. 
If you will, before we go today, please stand and join me in the singing of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. grace and peace to love and serve the Lord. And peace be with you, Thanks, Alex.